in the book of Philippians. We will read verses 1 through 26. And our text is um, the end of verse 18 through verse 26. But we'll read the entire chapter up to that point. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes. And I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Just 
take one more minute to ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Gracious God, we thank you for your spirit and ask for his blessing. We thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to consider it together. We ask that this time in which the word is preached would be pleasing in your sight, edifying and encouraging to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage from the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has the six one-syllable word testimony of the Apostle Paul himself in verse 21. To me, to live is Christ. And by thinking upon that, we can see what are two of my very favorite aspects of church life, which we all get to enjoy. First, is that the gospel is such that it can be communicated to even the youngest among us. We rely on the Holy Spirit and understand that ultimately it is through the Holy Spirit's illumination that people are saved, being brought to a knowledge of Christ Jesus. But it is glorious to look and to see the profound and brilliant Apostle Paul give his testimony in six words that whether that even a five-year-old can say and profit from to me to live is Christ and if you are five or 95 you can say over and over to me to live is Christ so we have the glorious feature of worshiping together whether five or 95 and having a word from God that permeates our thoughts and takes root in our hearts. To me to live is Christ. The other thing that is glorious about the Christian faith and being a member of the church, a citizen of heaven by grace through faith, is that while the details of your life are different from mine, and while each of you are in fact individuals, a unique person made in God's image, living a life that is unique to you, that has a history that is specific to you, while the details of your life differ from mine and differ from person to person, if you are in Christ, you can use a testimony that is the same regardless of who you are. While Paul says, to me to live is Christ, any Christian can say, to me to live is Christ. Regardless of your diverse backgrounds and histories, your testimony is the same. So whether you are 5 or 95, regardless of what your personal history is and background, you can lift these inspired words from the Apostle Paul and say what it means for me to be a Christian is that to me, to live is Christ. And we will discuss the surrounding verses in verses 19, eight, the end of verse 18 all the way through verse 26. 
But our two main points for this morning come from Philippians 1, verse 21. Our first point, to me, to live, is Christ. And our second point, to me, to die, is gain. We'll look at both of these verses as well as the verses that surround them and provide us with context. And I want to begin by looking there. The verses surrounding verse 21 provide us with what I think is a fascinating insight to the way the Apostle Paul thinks. It seems that from these verses and a few others in the book of Philippians, that the Apostle Paul believes he will be released from his imprisonment and will be able to visit the Philippian church, the Philippians, the church in Philippi. So if you look at verses 25 and 26, it sounds like that's what Paul is saying. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And then later on in the epistle, as he speaks about Timothy and Epaphroditus visiting the church in Philippi, Paul reiterates that it is his hope to make it to the Philippian church himself. So from these verses, it's fairly easy to see why we would think Paul's understanding was that he would, in fact, be released from the prison, the house arrest that he is in, and be free to visit the Philippians, and that he would actually do that during his lifetime while he was still with them. So I think what is going on in these verses, the earlier verses, is that Paul is saying, I do think I'm going to be released from prison. Your prayers concerning my eventual release, I believe, will be answered. I'll even get to visit you again. But I need you to know this. That's not where my joy and happiness rests. It is not my conviction that I'll be released that gives me confidence and delight and joy in God. In fact, before I get to the point that I believe I'll be released from prison and will be enabled to join you, I have to show you that even if I were to die in these chains, I would have reason for tremendous joy. And I think, therefore, he goes out of his way in verses 19 through 24 to explain his confidence in the Lord is such that even if he should die in prison, he would die joyful and happy. So this is what he speaks about in the verses that precede 25 and 26. At the very end of verse 18, he reiterates his joy, yes, and I will rejoice. And then he starts to speak about his eventual deliverance. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And what's fascinating about that verse 19 is that the, the word translated as deliverance is actually the word salvation. 
So when Paul says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, he may be speaking about eventually being released from prison, or he may be speaking about uh, that concept of salvation that delivers you from a world and life of sin and translates you into glory. It's ambiguous, probably intentionally so, from the Apostle Paul. And he goes on to say that his earnest expectation and hope is that he will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will always be exalted. And then he makes it so clear, whether by life or by death. Leading up to verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To me, to live is Christ. I want us to put the bulk of our effort into those six one-syllable words. Whether you're five or 95, you can memorize those six words during this very sermon. You can convert them into a prayer. Lord, what does it mean to say to me, to live is Christ. My life is very different from the Apostles Paul, from the Apostle Paul's, and yet I too consider myself a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you can use those words to pray as well. Lord, make me someone who can say to me, to live is Christ. And if you're young and you're saying those words sound funny. You can still memorize them, and you can realize that, to some degree, for your entire life, you will be learning what it means to say, to me, to live, is Christ. During our prayer of confession, we used other verses from the Apostle Paul, which correspond to these six words. The same Paul who said to me to live as Christ said in Galatians 1.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is now no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He sees his old self as B.C., before Christ, and therefore dead in the Christ dead in the death that Christ died on the cross, crucified with Christ. But now he lives, and the life he lives is Christ in me, enabling him to say, for to me, to live is Christ. And in another place, 2 Corinthians 10, Paul speaks about the mind of someone who can say to me to live as Christ. He says, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does it mean to say to me to live as Christ? Think about how many thoughts you have. That perpetual onslaught of things firing within your brain, bringing to your mind the things that you are thinking. To me to live is Christ means that, in some sense, you are bringing them all before the Lord Jesus Christ. You are calling upon the Lord to dwell with you, even in the thoughts of your mind. 
to me to live is Christ, says the Apostle Paul. And I think it's appropriate to think in terms of um, almost a, a theological poetry or a doctrinal poetry about that phrase, to me to live is Christ, in relation to various things that Jesus Christ himself said. I'm referring to John chapter 10, verse 11, in which Jesus Christ said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus lays down his life for his own people. In John 15, 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ, our great friend, gives up his life for his friends. Paul, looking to that Jesus Christ who gave his life, says, for me to live is Christ. In exchange, Jesus lives the life we should have lived in order to give us the gift of his own righteousness. He dies the death we deserve to die to pay the penalty that we've incurred through our lives. His life for us. And we respond by seeing that he himself is our life. To me, to live is Christ. Of course, Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Paul responds to that, so to speak, by saying, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is my life. The testimony of the Apostle Paul that comes to us through the Holy Spirit becomes our testimony. And consider what it means, not just in words of Paul, not just in the words of Scripture, not just in that divine theological poetry in which Jesus Christ speaks about laying down his life for his people, and the Apostle Paul speaks about living for Christ, in Christ. Think about your own life, how encompassing it is, laying down, sleeping, rising up, eating, studying, working, all of the achievements, all of the activity of your life, parenting, being a husband, being a wife, Someone who is living as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ in all the different aspects of the Christian life. You on the job. You in school. You in the doctor's office. What does it mean to at each one of those points say, to me to live is Christ? It means you say, I am not first any of these things. I am not first a husband. I am not first a wife. I am not first an employee. I am not first a student. I am first a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Christ. In fact, for me to live is Christ. I look at all of these at different activities that make up my life 
and I'm interested in making them acts of service to my God and King, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I even want each of my thoughts to be held up before him as loving him and serving him. Because for me to live is Christ. And if you think about it, Paul's already said this in the very first verse of this epistle by calling himself a bondservant of Christ Jesus, right? I mean, that's the whole glory and beauty of saying that, is I am completely and in every way tied to Jesus Christ. When I consider who I am, when I think of who I am fundamentally at the most rudimentary level, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. These chains that I'm in don't bother me. Before them, I was already chained to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he would have me wear physical chains, then my response is to me to live is Christ. The whole of your life before the face of God and glory in that, rejoice in that, delight in that. See the magnitude of God's salvation through faith. That though you are a sinner... Though you ask for forgiveness, though you know your need for forgiveness, you can say, to me, to live is Christ. And my prayer is that more and more, every single activity, even every single thought of my life, would be the act of a servant, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That it would all be service to him. Nothing about me matters except for the fact that I am united to the Lord Jesus Christ and can now live through the entirety of my life unto him. And start to realize that you need to say that and pray that and aspire to that in the face of rivals because our life is one in which we do make idols. And at times we fall into. To me, to live is making good grades. To me, to live is performance. To me, to live is climbing the corporate ladder. To me, to live is having really wonderful children. To me, to live is earning a lot of money, accumulating wealth. And see those rivals and rejoice that the Apostle Paul was a sinner like you who needed forgiveness and turn from those rivals consciously to say again, to me to live is Christ and where that's not so, O Lord, make it so. We are putting the bulk of our time into these six words, to me, to live is Christ. It's where we need to put the bulk of our thoughts and meditations because there's something so tremendously exciting about being able to say those six words. They follow something of a if-then nature. If you can say, to me, to live is Christ. Then you can say, and to die 
is gain. Now, I want you to consider how magnificent that really is. Go back to the rivals that occur in our lives and realize that with those rivals, you could never complete this verse. You could never say, to me to live is my career, and to die is gain. To me to live is to make a lot of money, and to die is gain. To me to live is to have all the most wonderful experiences I can fit on a bucket list, and to die is gain. That's gibberish. It's nonsense. As you replace Christ with an idol, it becomes something that you are trying to squeeze out of this life, trying to fit in desperately before you go the way of all the world. What is so thrilling and exciting is that if you can say these six words in the beginning of Philippians 1.21, you can follow through by saying, and by the way, to die is gain. Christ is the way to finishing this verse. And let's spend some time thinking about that. To me, to die is gain. Do you see what Paul is saying in this verse? He's saying it's a win win situation for the Christian. Look at where Paul is. He's in prison. He's chained. He's under surveillance, in captivity. But he's not bemoaning the fact that there's all these things that he can't get to with his life. He's rejoicing over and over, sometimes in the same verse. Look at verse 18. And he's saying, you have to understand this. I actually think I will be released. I think I will come to visit you in Philippi. But you have to understand this. My life, because I'm in Christ, is a win-win. For me to live is Christ. And death will be gain. It's even better than saying it's a win-win. He's actually saying to continue living is the worst-case scenario. Isn't that a great way to look at life? You look at your life and all the difficulties and hardships along the way, the things that keep you up at night, the things that bring you to tears, the thing that, things that cause anxiety. And you can say, because for me to live is Christ, means this is as bad as it ever gets. And that's really true of the Apostle Paul. He is, after all, in prison. It's very much on his mind. He repeats it over and over. He's in chains. He's in bonds. He's not planting church after church after church all over the ancient world. Instead, he's chained up for years on end. And even there, he can say, to me, to live is Christ. But he acknowledges that's the worst-case scenario. Because to die is gain. And there's where we should think about what we confessed and professed in our confession of faith. Right now, whether we're in prison, whatever situation we're in, whatever difficulty we're enduring, we are called to glorify God and enjoy him. And you can do that now if you can say, to me to live is Christ. Even if you're in prison, you can do that, as demonstrated by the Apostle Paul. But you can also say, it's a win-win. If I die, it gets even better. 
because the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and pass into glory and their bodies are still united to Christ until the resurrection. And this is what Paul opens up after verse 21. He says, If I am to live on in the flesh, that will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Paul's saying, I have no reason to complain. Here from my imprisonment, I can glorify and enjoy God. Here from my imprisonment, my life is Christ. Here from my imprisonment, I can continue in prayer over these churches that by God's grace I planted and now write to. But if I were to die, that would be gain. And it would be very much better. Glorious. If you can say for me to live is Christ, you can go on to say, and to die is gain. And it will be very much better than where I am right now. It's a win-win where you see this present life as the worst-case scenario. And that is gospel, good news, that you will never find anywhere apart from the good news that the Apostle Paul found in the Lord Jesus Christ. This comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has died to forgive sins, to cancel the debt that is between you and God because of your sin, and not just that, but to conquer the enemy death itself, which is the wages of sin. It brings you to a point where you can say, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One of the features of church life that can be difficult is enduring times of grief, funerals, memorial services, gravesides, realizing that we continue to meet here week after week and that some who used to meet with us are not bodily present any longer. We don't see them. We don't get to greet them. We don't shake their hand or give them a hug or say hi. Isn't it glorious to be able to look back at those we've grieved over and maybe are still grieving over and to say, right now, they have it very much better? That's the word of God to you. That's what Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You could say, they were living for them to live was Christ. They've died. And now it's very much better. They're enjoying the gain of the very much better immediate presence of Christ. But don't stop there. 
certainly reflect on that, think about that, realize that those who have departed in Christ have it very much better. But look forward and know that one day, you who say now in faith, for me to live is Christ. One day you will learn how much very better it is to gain what is brought through death. One day we'll join the saints who have gone before us, including the Apostle Paul, saying, look at how very much better the immediate presence of Jesus Christ is. Looking back, we can rejoice over loved ones who have departed, enjoying now what is very much better. And right now, starting now, glorifying God, enjoying him forever, knowing the fullness of this statement, to me to live is Christ, means we can look forward and say what is very much better is yet to come. Father in heaven, thank you for this unique gospel. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we ask that you would, by your spirit, bring every single one of us to the point where we say, to me, to live is Christ. But we also pray that we would delight in the beauty of how unique this gospel is. It is something we find nowhere else, something that covers us in all of the anxieties, difficulties, turmoils of life and gives us a sure hope that does not falter. We pray that you would use us and that we would rejoice to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.